the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Again, I can't get over the press spokesperson. The press spokesperson for Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, does not want to, will not, in fact, refuses to speak to the press on camera because the cameras are a little aggressive, she says. They're not even up in her face. Anyway, (laughs) we'll keep you updated on that. Now, uh, do you remember, I know there are a lot of murders in Columbus and a lot of incompetent prosecutorial conduct and a very progressive court system that refuses to punish people. So this is like tough when I say, do you remember? Because you're going to go, my mind is clouded with a bunch of different criminal cases, Bruce. Do you remember the guy who was mistakenly released from Franklin County lockup due to a clerical error? A guy who was in there for, let me remind you, uh, the murder of a 26-year-old man while shooting the alleged murderer's mother, okay? So the guy killed a 26-year-old and shot his mom, then got out on house arrest, and his then his one-year-old son died from ingesting fentanyl, his fentanyl. That's the guy who they mistakenly released from custody. Now, to pick up the story, if you say, oh, yeah, I remember that. Something sticks in my mind, Bruce. Wasn't he also charged with another murder? Yes. Bonus points for your good memory. Supposedly, but it turns out incorrectly, he was thought to be the guy who shot and killed a good Samaritan at a Shell gas station. Now, this happened in the middle of the night. Guy's out in his guys out filling his car with gas with his girlfriend who is pregnant. He looks inside the Shell gas station, uh, excuse me, Sunoco gas station, my bad, Sunoco at 2725 West Broad, and he sees his buddy being robbed at gunpoint. So this guy, being the knight in shining armor that he is, leaves his car, goes inside to save his buddy from being robbed by a gunman, and himself gets shot and killed, Okay. The gunman runs to, in a daring (laughs) and idiotic escape attempt, runs to the house right next door to the Sunoco gas station. Shockingly, store video (laughs) captured all of this, and police were certain that they had David A. Johnson III, age 20, committing a third murder. But wait. There's more. Turns out they identified David Johnson III because he was wearing a distinctive cigarette lighter holder at the time he, they thought, shot this guy who came in from the parking lot to save his buddy from being robbed. Turns out it wasn't David Johnson III who shot and killed this guy coming in to stop the armed robbery. 
Any guesses who it was? Any guesses? It was David Johnson III's younger brother, Drayton. 16 years old. Hooray, Joyce Beatty. Another young black life in Columbus. Ruined. David Johnson, age 20, clearly set an example for his younger brother, Drayton, four years his junior, because now Drayton is charged with the murder of this person. So, this is utterly amazing to me. I don't know if, uh, obviously, Drayton Johnson borrowed his brother's cigarette lighter holder and cigarette lighter at the time because David Johnson, it turns out, was not there. He's still charged with two murders, by the way. And he is uh, back in the Franklin County lockup, which now he can say hi to his his younger brother, who is in there, too. These kinds of stories are heartbreaking because they are worse given the failures of a justice system to ingrain consequences for actions at a young age. David Johnson III did not one day move from a law-abiding citizen to a murderer. There were many tiny steps in between where the justice system, I mean, it will tell you its its primary job is what? Rehabilitation, right? Rehabilitation. To ingrain corrective action in the way that I firmly believe, because it's proven by time, the way that you ingrain corrective actions is to make the pain of doing something so unpleasant, so great, so unwanted, that whatever you did to suffer those consequences is something you don't want to do again. Okay? That does not happen in the case of David Johnson because it did not happen in the case of David Johnson. His younger brother, Drayton, sees all this going on, and instead of saying, I'm not going to be like my big brother, he follows in the footsteps of his big brother, and now both these young men, age 16 and age 20, are charged with murder. So, of course, not just here. I came across another story today, which underscores the same theme, which is a person who makes a victim of an innocent bystander, in the case of the Johnson brothers, the guy at the Sunoco gas station trying to save his buddy from being robbed. In the case of this story coming out of St. Louis, this is unbelievably horrific. A 17-year-old youth volleyball player named Janae Edmondson was on a weekend in St. Louis playing volleyball with her travel teammates. Now, this resonates with me because my daughter was a pretty good soccer player and had a travel team that would travel periodically, not a lot, but to other places. And when we went to another town, another city, we'd take the whole family along. It was a mini vacation, a three-day weekend. It was something you look forward to. It was a great time of family bonding. And I admit, I, I envision that that's exactly what the case was with the Edmondson family from Tennessee when they went to St. Louis a couple of weeks ago. And they're in downtown St. Louis because they have the big Edward Jones Dome there, and they probably had volleyball courts set up all over the thing, and they're getting ready to play volleyball, and then you play, and then you go out to lunch, and you just laugh and have fun and all this. In the midst of this, a 20-year-old person by the name of Daniel Riley 
was speeding down the streets of St. Louis. I'm sorry, he's 21 years old. He's speeding down the streets of St. Louis when he ran into a car, pushed that car into another car, and extremely, unfortunately, in between those two cars at the time was 17-year-old Janae Edmondson. And the cars pinned her in such a way that both of her legs had to subsequently be amputated. She's a healthy, vibrant 17-year-old girl away for a weekend with her friends and family. And yes, her family was there because her father saved her life by putting into action his military medical training to apply tourniquets to her legs as the only thing that saved her life. What of the person who caused the accident, who's speeding down the downtown streets of St. Louis in broad daylight? 21-year-old Daniel Riley was out on bond for a 2020 robbery charge that was dismissed. A judge's order from the day the case was dropped shows, uh, first of all, the the prosecutor in St. Louis said that the... uh, revocation of bond and the reason why this guy was out on bond was because the victim of his robbery died before trial. Hence, they had no witness. Hence, they could not hold him. Hence, he was going to walk free. Except a judge's order from the day the case was dropped shows that the victim of the robbery was alive and present for the hearing. But prosecutors were not ready to proceed. And court officials said they never knew that Daniel Riley violated his bond because prosecutors never filed a motion to revoke it. So this is a story I'll give you a little bit more detail on in the next segment. But it's just another case of a bad prosecutor that's not motivated to exact consequences for actions because they don't really feel like it's appropriate. And then it spins totally out of control and an innocent bystander gets hurt. And we all recoil in horror. So a little bit more on this horrific situation in St. Louis. And I'm telling the story of St. Louis because, you know, we, we, we could fill up the show with talking about stupid prosecutorial policies that lead to criminals being on the street, that lead to crimes happening wouldn't have happened if someone had been behind bars or detained like they should be. And we've covered this from every angle, right? We have talked about victims themselves who were murdered, who had extensive criminal records and should have been behind bars, but weren't because of the policies of the court system here in Franklin County. It's the same in Montgomery County. It's the same in Cuyahoga County and Hamilton County. It's the same all over Ohio, and it's worse in other places. And one of the places where it's worse is St. Louis, where I was telling you the story of this 17-year-old girl who was there with her family playing volleyball in a club volleyball tournament in downtown St. Louis. 21-year-old guy speeding down the streets of St. Louis, hits a car, pushes that car into another car. This 17-year-old girl from Tennessee is in between the cars, and they have to amputate both her legs to save her life. Why was this 21-year-old guy not behind bars for an earlier robbery. Well, he had violated the terms 
of his bond more than 50 times, more than 50 times for previous crimes, 50 times. He kept getting out on technicalities, but mainly prosecutorial incompetence. For instance, the day he was supposed to be uh, in court for a hearing on the armed robbery charge, the reason why the prosecutors dismissed the charge was they said the victim had died and there was no victim to testify. Court records show the victim was there. The victim was there in court ready to testify. It was the prosecution that wasn't ready to prosecute. Oh, okay, let's dismiss the charge. In a statement late Tuesday night, the circuit attorney's office that blew this case said the controversy is, quote, an attempt by those who choose to twist the facts to take advantage of this situation for their own selfish motives. Alternately, it is an attempt by those to hold accountable the people who are charged with keeping dangerous people off the street. That would be another way to portray it. A little way we like to call the accurate way. This is not a time for finger-pointing, the St. Louis prosecutor's office said. It's time to support the family. Yes and no. It is time to support the family, but would it be out of line pointing out that the daughter whose family we are supporting would not be in the hospital and hence not need your support if her legs weren't amputated because a guy is out on in violation of your stupidity in not prosecuting him. The prosecutor in St. Louis was elected in 2016, and you know why, right? You know why, right? St. Louis, on a platform of reforming the criminal justice system. Now, she's so bad, there's a bill in the Missouri legislature to appoint a special prosecutor to handle all violent crime in St. Louis. Hello? If you have a prosecutor who you can't trust to prosecute violent crime, I would say the way to attack that problem is to get rid of the prosecutor, not to appoint a special prosecutor. The really, really, really despicable part of this is the next sentence I'm going to read you from this story in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. A group of St. Louis religious leaders, including the Reverend Daryl Gray, met with the prosecutor on Tuesday and pledged their support for her and their opposition to the bill currently in the Missouri State House. One of the religious leaders, I looked him up on LinkedIn. His name is Reverend Daryl Gray. Now, I had a supposition that the prosecutor is black, which she is. I had a supposition that the religious leaders, at least the one who's cited, is black. He is. So I looked him up on LinkedIn, and here's what his title is on LinkedIn. Reverend Daryl Gray, black pastor, director of social justice, director of the, director general, sorry, sorry, Reverend, director general of the social justice Progressive National Baptist Convention. Wow, that's a mouthful. Director General of the SJPNBC. The Social Justice Progressive National Baptist Convention. Hmm. 
I'm just doing the mental inventory here on Fruits of the Spirit, Reverend Gray. Love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, there it is. Kindness. How is it kind to support a prosecutor who put a 16-year-old girl in the hospital and she'll have to go through the rest of her life without her legs because you're protecting a prosecutor in St. Louis probably because her race matches yours. If this were a white prosecutor, do I think that the Reverend Daryl Gray, Director General of, of the Social Justice Progressive National Baptist Convention, would be supporting her? No, I don't. No, I don't. And I can assure you that if there's a white prosecutor anywhere who does this kind of incompetent job and a kid, I don't care what race, I don't care what ethnicity, ends up with their legs amputated, I'd be every bit as in their grill as I'm in hers and the Reverend Grace. We have some really good people in this town. I'm going to introduce you to them over the next couple of weeks who are not blinded by their race and the race of criminals. They're not hoodwinked by the social justice initiative. They're people who are first and foremost Their first allegiance is to God, is to the scriptural principles of truth. And I would also say compassion. A lot of people think that punishing people for crimes is not compassionate. It's not joyful. It's not fair. It's not equitable. When in reality, people who are punished appropriately for crimes, ideally, as I've said before, change their behavior and avoid committing future crimes, which is great for the people who they then do, do not victimize. But at its root, the whole point of the endeavor is to keep the criminal from becoming a worse criminal. The whole point of the endeavor of, of punishment in the aftermath of a crime is to bring about rehabilitation and restoration. And to get people from being off track, to get them to be back on track. And to get their life reordered, reprioritized, so that they can be productive members of society. So they don't spend the rest of their lives not fulfilling the potential that God built into them. That's the whole point of crime and punishment. It is a compassionate endeavor. When done right, it is not done right. When you let criminals off for crimes they've committed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver for the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.